Welcome to the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. If you have access to your Bible, get ready to open them up, and before them let us all together say, Lord, we are listening. Speak to us today. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Faith that saves remains in the one who has it, and it goes on to be a faith that sanctifies them. That is, it's a faith that makes them holy. There are false faiths. There is head faith, which is just trust in your intellectual points of agreement with an idea. There is dead faith, which is your trust in the ability to follow external religious activities. And there's a devil's faith, which is a recognition and fear of God without a surrender to him residing within you. You can exercise it and remain a devil. And then there's true faith, which receives Christ and believes in him. And once Christ lives in you by this faith, he changes you. And this is the kind of faith for which you must test yourself to see if Christ is in you. That's the test of faith. It's not the test of head knowledge. It's not the test of participation in a religious activity. It's not even the test of an emotional response to God. Head faith. Dead faith, a devil's faith, it's saving faith, it's abiding God's presence living in us, transforming us, and changing us. Test yourself to see whether you're in the faith, or don't you know if Christ is in you, unless you fail the test. Your saving faith put Jesus Christ in your heart, and I might add at that moment, Not only was Christ put into your heart, but your life, your being, your existence was put into Christ. And in saving faith, you had Christ come and meet you within you, and you met Christ at the same time in saving faith. You met Him and you encountered Him really as a living being. And by the way, you know where you encountered Christ in saving faith? Where it began? At a cross. Where He was dying and suffering for your sins. He was dying in order to set you free from your sin and yourself. And you met him at that cross. And you know what he did? He took you up on that cross with him. If you have saving faith, you know something of the nails that pierced his hands. If you have saving faith, you know something of the spear that pierced his side. Because he brought you on that place so that you would die to yourself and to your sin, that you would live to him alone. You met him at a cross. And the person who says, I have saving faith, But there's no evidence they've ever died to themselves. They're still carrying on the same attitudes and actions over and over again. Folks, we have to address these things. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul is sharing with Timothy the testimony of those who have a profession of faith but have no power of godliness within them. That is, they don't have saving faith. They have one of those other kinds of faith that we just talked about. And as a result, their lives are a consistent pattern of sin and self. Basically, we can only reason from it that their profession is a false profession, that they are not only deceiving others, but maybe they actually believe what they're saying and they're just deceiving themselves. And Paul gives a list of the rolling, mounting energy of sin and self that's apparent in this group of individuals. And when you read it, You might think that this is a portrayal because it's so overwhelming, especially if you read it quickly, that this is a portrayal of the depravity at the end of the age that's in a group of people who claimed faith in God 
but aren't living it out, but, you know, that, that are expressing this at some period of time in which there's this great, complete moral failure that's taking place throughout an apostasy that's spreading through all people. But for a moment, I want you to listen to the description, and I want you to go slowly through it like a checklist. Test yourselves. And see if any of these traits are making a consistent appearance and reappearance in your life. This is what Paul says. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. The idea here, I think, is that they're individuals. You know, when you love somebody, you're actually, it's not an emotion or a feeling. Love is acting in the interest of others. But this is an individual whose primary reaction is constantly acting in the interest of self. They're the individual who doesn't necessarily feel the scandal is that they haven't been loving others, but the scandal is that other people aren't loving them. People aren't serving and working towards their advantage, and that's the great sin that they're tabulating in life. They are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. That's a person whose whole outlook on life is drawn around what they've acquired or what they have not acquired. It's around material possessions. They're boasters. They're proud. They're blasphemers. They actually, the word, I looked, the word for blasphemy here means they're foul-mouthed, or actually the idea is they're abusive with their words. There's a pattern of life where they're abusive with their words. They're disobedient to parents. They're unthankful. They're not grateful. They're unholy. They're unloving. The interesting thing here is the word unloving says they're not given to natural loves. That is, they don't love the very people that they should love very people that God has put in life that they should love. They're unforgiving. The interesting thing here is the actual word here means, and you'll read it in the King James, it means they're vow breakers. It may refer to somebody whose lack of forgiveness is such that they think they're exempt from keeping the vows that they've made. They're vow breakers. They don't keep the promises. They're slanderers. They're gossips and they're accusers. They are without self-control they're the kind of person who says i just can't seem to help myself it's just the way i am this is the way i am it's the way i'm always going to be they're brutal that is their words and their actions are intended to hurt and inflict pain and to offend they're despisers of the good they're traitors they're headstrong that is they refuse to receive correction they're haughty. That is, they consider themselves above those who may bring the correction to them. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I think we have to be honest when we look at these things. I can't have, roll it together in one complete package and say, Oh, God, thank you. Then I'm not all those things. I'm not all of that. You better look back and see whether the pattern of some of that is expressing itself over and over again. And by the way, folks, there's a reason why faith, saving faith remains is sanctifying faith, and it's this. It's because we need God's power to save us from this kind of life. This is where your flesh wants to take you. This is the life that Satan wants to bury you in. This is the pull of your flesh upon you so that even though you've been saved and you know Jesus Christ, it tries to pull you back to follow those old patterns. And if you have saving faith, just let me tell you something, you can't stay long in those patterns. 
If you look at your life and you see that any of these things are the dominating themes that keep reoccurring in your life, then there's only one of two things that you can conclude from that. And let me share them with you. The first thing is you've got to conclude that you don't have saving faith. And so you don't have sanctifying faith. The reason it's going over and over and over again in your life is because you've got head faith or dead faith or a devil's faith. But you don't have a living faith that is drawn into your life the life of the living, all-powerful God to be Savior and Lord. If that's the case, then what you need to do is you just you need to be honest. You can make your arguments to God, but you better be honest against the evidence. And you repent and you throw open wide your life to the Lord Jesus that He may come in as your Savior and your absolute Lord and King and you lay down everything that you're withholding from Him. Here's a second option. You do have saving faith. But you're resisting. And you're striving against the living presence of God who came and lives in you by that faith. You're resisting it and you're pushing it back and you're, you're believing a lie instead that the enemy is foisting on you, that you're constructed and made up of just what your flesh desires instead of what God desires for you and within you. And you've decided to default back to letting yourself kind of rule and reign. And there's a battle going on. You're resisting him. You're saving faith. But right now, you're working against the principle that brought you everlasting and eternal life. You're fighting against the one who saved you and delivered you from yourself and your sins. And as a result, you're submerging deeper and deeper into yourself and your sin. And usually you do that in an act of self-righteousness or self-willfulness. If that's the case, I got advice for you. Stop it. Stop it. Yield into and declare the faith that says, Jesus, you are my life. To deny you is to deny myself. And I will not resist you any longer. Yield to him. Claim anew the faith that was brought to you that brought Christ in your life in the first place. Release yourself to that truth and that reality and live within that truth and reality that Christ is in me, dwelling within me, and He will not put up or live with these things. I'm acting as though I'm not what I am through Jesus Christ. It's one or the other, but I've got to tell you something. If you can persist a long time in that resistance... If you can successfully keep from surrendering to God's will, then we go back to the first point again. <laughs> We're back at point number one. You need saving faith and you should be afraid and you should be concerned that such a success shows that you may very well have a false faith but not a saving faith because a saving faith is a sanctifying faith. But if you're confronted with challenges in which you know your flesh is pulling you into compromise where sin has brought you down to repeated places of defeat, but you don't want it and you want victory? Well, faith, saving faith that receives into your life the life of God and then continually receives anew the power and presence of that holy life as your own to claim and to live within that life that's the life and power of holiness is ours because the Bible says so. It says the just shall live by faith. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. These things are very important things.
And we confess, dear God, that at times we live in denial of the very one and the very thing and the very reality, the very point at which salvation came to us. And when we do, our lives are just going to be descending into chaos. And we do it, oh God, at times to escape misery and difficulty and suffering and pain, but we do it because we've decided that our chosen path is better than the path you have sovereignly chosen for us. We're resisting you. We're wanting to be the sovereigns of our own life and the lords of our own life. We're not trusting you. We're not expressing the very faith that saved us. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Find us yielding to that faith that alone can sanctify us. The complete and utter abandonment to Jesus Christ, living and abiding within us by the power of the Holy Spirit, leading us and guiding us and calling us into complete, meek surrender to Him. Lord, if it's been repeating itself over and over again and we've been revealing that whatever job we've tried to do to construct a Christian witness keeps crumbling away, because this is the outstanding testimony and memorial of our life, then Lord Jesus, reveal it to a person, an individual, that they may have expressed a faith that's false, because they've never, never come to complete broken repentance and abandonment to you alone. Mercifully, oh God, mercifully show it to them now. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. This program is sponsored by the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its local church mission in Boise, Bread of Life Fellowship. But you're the ones we look to for our support. For audio of this message, or to learn more about how you can support this program or our international work, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.